welcome everyone. This is our first episode of Head to Total. It is a podcast all about the medical industry. It's pulling back the curtain, frankly, on anything and everything you want to know about medicine, uh, particularly within the orthopedics realm. Um, I'm Colleen Young. I, uh, this is an exciting adventure for me. I have to tell you, uh, I, as a, a patient, have so many questions, uh, and the medical industry can be so overwhelming. Uh, that's really why we wanted to launch this podcast. So hopefully in the coming weeks, you will take away everything you've wanted to know uh, and wanted to ask physicians, but were afraid to ask. Uh, today, though, I'm excited because for our first podcast, I thought this would be a great guest for us to have. His name is Dan Cresco. He's the CEO of Synergy Health Partners. Welcome, Dan, to our first podcast, Head to Total. Hey, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. You're welcome. We're going to pepper you with a ton of the hard-hitting questions today. Um, Good. But, but, but team, the reason I wanted to have Dan involved is because Dan leads a large orthopedic. And, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, it's more than orthopedics in your what they call an MSO, Correct. That's correct. So the MSO mm -hmm. is a management services organization. However, we're a vertically integrated musculoskeletal practice. So we have general orthopedics. We have multi. We have other specialties within orthopedics. So sports medicine, hand, foot and ankle, spine, total joint, you name it, we've got it. Um, and in addition to that, we have pain physicians. We have our own therapists on the PT and OT side, some of which are certified hand therapists as well. We have two imaging centers and two ambulatory surgery centers as well. So a patient can literally come into our organization at any point, uh, into therapy, coming into imaging, coming into a physician, and they can get a full cadre of support and, and professional services in the medical realm um, to really provide a continuum of care that you might not find anywhere else. So Dan, how did you get into the medical field? I understand you started as a physical therapist. Can you walk us through your journey? Sure. So when I was younger, a lot younger, um, I, I, would, I participated in a lot of different sports and I had multiple injuries. Um, and as I grew up, it's like I had an experience to work with some therapists as a patient. Uh, and I was always really focused on you know, sports and sports medicine. And that was in the early days of sports medicine. You'd see the athletic trainer go out on the field at, you know, back in Wisconsin, the Packer game, right? And be like, that's kind of cool. They're helping somebody out who's hurt. And then I, I ended up getting hurt myself in multiple sports and got a chance to work with therapists and physicians and they kind of helped me out. So that kind of created my pathway. And actually I was accepted to, uh, you know, pre-med and PT at the same time. And I, Honestly, at the time I looked at, oh boy, 13 or more years of school or four to six years of school. And I said, gosh, I think I'm going to be a PT. And if I want to become a doctor down the road, I can do that. But as I became a PT, I really enjoyed uh, what I did. I was able to help people and work with physicians uh, kind of in combination to really help patients out to kind of experience all they were. So started as a, a desire to want to help people through my own experience. And then as I as I grew my in my career, really felt like I could create more of an emphasis on other individuals providing care, you know, as I became a supervisor of larger and larger numbers of people. It must be great to have that clinical background and still have a head for business. Is that um, just because we're head to total and people have a lot of questions. Did you know when you were a PT that you wanted your career to advance to this level? Or were you just thinking, you know, what made you transition from PT to administrative superpower? 
<laughs> Superpower. Wow. I should have a cape, right? Um, I guess, uh, you know, being a, a clinician at first um, for a few years out of school, it was really great to actually help patients directly, right? And see them improve, um, see what life changes you could make for them with the treatment that you provided. And then as I kind of progressed in my career and started managing a department of therapists, and it was like, well, wow, I can really affect a broader number of patients by kind of providing the culture and, and experience that I had to a broader group and now being able to bring it full circle to a very large practice and having that clinical background to quite honestly be able to ask questions that some people on the business mm -hmm. side who don't know anything about being a provider can truly ask and, and kind of put that personal touch and that, that culture of really providing a unique patient experience to our providers uh, so that they can provide it to our patients is just, I think, uh, unique in a lot of ways. I, I, when you say you have 30 years of experience, um, you know, I'm, I'm much younger than that. Uh, so talk to me about uh, where did you start your career? Were you in, in, in Wisconsin? Yeah, so I graduated from Marquette University and started, you know, seeing patients in Wisconsin. And before I knew it, within five or six years, I was managing, you know, multiple facilities across the upper Midwest for therapy. And then along the way, like I said, kind of went back to my roots, you know, as a therapist and directing a large uh, health system, first as a therapist and growing number of specialties, orthopedics, pain management, um, wound care, you name it, and managing physicians as well as the operations uh, before I went to a large national ASC company and then went to a private practice of 120 physicians in the Minneapolis market before coming here. So then you find yourself in Southeast Michigan and you said that Synergy is a vertically integrated. Can you, what, what does that mean to the average person? It's vertically integrated, Dan. It means you can come into our organization at any point in time and get the care that you need. And that care that you need will be fast access, expedited to the provider that you truly need to get the care that you need. It's not like you go to a primary care physician who says, well, I think you have this issue. And they might be mm -hmm. in a health system or a private practice as well. And then you really don't get the help that you need because they're not dealing with the issue that you have that you need a specialist for. Um, and then you go to a, a specialist that maybe the primary care physician feels like you need to see. And then you find out it's really not that issue. It's something else. Then you go and you have a special test done by somebody else in another practice or another organization mm -hmm. before you finally mm -hmm. find the specialist that can truly help you. Here, it's you get in to see a specialist in the musculoskeletal realm. Well, you find out I have this problem. The test can be done within our organization and within one other referral to probably someone that's right down the hallway. It can happen on the same day. Hey, you know what? You had this test on. We found this. You can now see a pain doctor who's going to be able to address your issue. Or, you know what? It's something more than that. You need to see one of our spine physicians who can, you know, manage your spine deformity or degeneration or whatever else, which may include surgery. But we're going to take the conservative approach first and make sure we can get you better with all the tools that we have in hand, whether that's therapy or whatever. It, it's a terrifying thing as a, as a patient in today's world. You know, you, you go to an emergency room and then they send you someplace else and then you get this test taken and then they send you someplace else. And frankly, you get lost in the healthcare system. Sounds like you guys have streamlined this. I've heard some rumblings um, and, and in future podcasts, we hope to talk to 
what what exactly are these new pop-ups that are orthopedic urgent cares? Right, like right now, guys, in Southeast Michigan, you on every corner, there's a CVS, there's a gas station, and there's an urgent care. These urgent cares are getting branded, but now I'm uh, by the major hospital systems, and there's some random ones. But, but now I'm starting to see these orthopedic urgent cares. Can you speak to us a little bit about that, Dan? What is it? Why are they cropping up? Is this something new? Have you seen these in other markets? What's sure. happening, Dan? So, you know, I think bringing that up is a great uh, point here, especially within a vertically integrated practice. And yeah, that's why I'm the host, Dan. That's why I'm the host. <laughs> I bring it up like that. Well, and and I think you mentioned it early on. Um Healthcare is becoming more and more complex every day. Um, technology is racing ahead and evolving at a, at a pace faster than we can even keep up with a lot of times. And we need to find a way to access our patients and have them avail the availability to access services as quickly to find what they need to find sooner than later. So you mentioned orthopedic urgent cares. Orthopedic urgent cares are set up so that they're different than a regular urgent care. You're going to go to see an orthopedic urgent care when you truly have a sprain, strain, fracture, you know, some type of bodily injury that you feel would be best to be seen by a pain physician, um, an orthopedic doctor of one specialty or another. Instead of going to an urgent care that might be ears, nose, and throat problems, somebody's got COVID, somebody's got, you know, the flu, somebody's got an earache, and you're waiting, let's say, at an emergency room forever waiting to be seen as a patient, or you go to an urgent care, a regular urgent care where you're dealing with sick children, with every diagnosis on the face of the earth, you go to an orthopedic urgent care where you're going to see an orthopedic specialist that specializes in the musculoskeletal issue that you have, sprain, strain, fracture, et cetera. They will come into our organization in urgent care. You will be seen by a provider within 20 minutes of walking in the door. You get expedited care by a specialist who knows what the issue is. And if it can't be handled directly there, we will triage you there and say, you need to see a hand specialist for that fracture and you might need surgery. We're going to get you to the hand surgeon um, the very next day, maybe even the same day um, to make sure that you can get that issue taken care of. And we will get you on the right path immediately versus again, like I mentioned before, going to see a primary care physician or a nurse practitioner in an urgent care that says, I'm not sure, I'm not a specialist in orthopedics. Um, it might be this, it might be that, it might be something else, right? And again, the real value is you're not a bunch of, around a bunch of other, I'll just say sick people who you might have some type of contagious, you know, a virus going on or whatever else that you won't have to be kind of in front of that or around that and you can get the care that you need. Yeah. COVID's really changed everything. I mean, somebody coughs and people are staring at them. So, uh, you know, I, I obviously know when I've broken my wrist because it hurts like hell and it swells and it's black and blue. Uh, orthopedic urgent care sounds exactly like what I would need. And it sounds like you guys have streamlined the process. You know, I think one of the other things, too, that I'm hoping we get to in these types of podcasts, and, and maybe it's you as the guest, Dan, but there's a lot of talk now about insurance and uh, what insurance brings to the table, what insurances you should have. And from the provider perspective, what insurances are accepted and this whole new thing called value-based care. What, what exactly is value-based care and how does it impact the patient, Dan? Certainly. 
Uh, Value-based care is something that's a very positive trend right now across the entire U.S. It kind of starts on the coast and then comes to the middle of the the country. For the most part, there's some uh, organizations in the middle part of the country that have kind of jumped ahead. But really what value-based care is exactly what it says. How do you assess the value of the care that's being provided to a patient? So as we work with our, I'll just say insurance companies um, out there, we're looking for ways to prove out that we know we can do a great job for a patient as a provider and as a group of physicians, whether it's the care that's provided in the clinic, whether it's the therapy, whether it's the surgical you know, uh, procedure that was provided. So we'll use the example of a total joint replacement, a knee replacement, a hip replacement. Those are some of the first things coming on board or have come on board in value-based care. So the insurance companies and the providers will join together and say, for this totally replacement, what do we think we can provide that care for at what cost? And then what really happens is you'll negotiate a price with the, with the insurance company and say, it's X number of dollars. And now the risk is on the provider and everyone providing care for that patient to deliver the care for that patient at that cost. And what the true benefit of value-based care is, it's not just about the cost, but it's about the outcome for the patient. So as an example, we as an organization might get paid X number of dollars for 90 days of care from the time the patient has their surgery at a surgery center or a hospital. Now it's up to us to manage that care and really communicate very clearly across the spectrum of all the care that's going to be provided for that patient to make sure they get the right care at the right time by the right people. And you try Mm -hmm. to avoid any high cost type of procedures that should be avoided because it just means there's a complication of some type. So you want to find the right patients to be in these value-based care products. But at the end of the day, the end result is patients are going to get a great level of care, a great outcome. They're going to, for this case, they're going to get a pain-free knee, walking around, doing great three months after their surgery and For the provider side, we've done it in such a way that there were no complications for the patient and everybody wins. And that's the most, honestly, Dan, as a patient, that's the most important thing for us, right? We want one bill, best care, right? I understand that your practice too has implemented something to make seeing you and seeing the provider an even faster, uh, you talked about the orthopedic urgent care, but let's just say I come to one of your orthopedic practices or possibly your cardiovascular practice, and you have something that allows me to see my doctor faster, which I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's called like an e-intake system. Sure. And can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because is that different than what other practices have? But in your experience, what does your practice have to help the patient see a physician faster? Yeah, something growing in the medical field is patients providing all of their information to whoever they're going to ahead of time so that when they get to the clinic site or the ambulatory surgery center or the therapy, all of their basic information is already loaded into the system. So I make an appointment to see um, Dr. A and I will get an email from the organization that employs Dr. A that will say, here's all of your information that we're going to need to provide expedited care for you. Your name, your birth date, basic medical situations, um, any medications you're on, et cetera, so that when you walk in the door, hopefully you've filled out all that information online prior to you coming in. And then for integrated practice like ours, now you don't have to 
provide that same information over and over and over again, you know, so that when I come and see a physician the first time, my information's in there. If that doctor then says, you need to go to therapy, you don't go and see the therapist and now they say, hey, could you tell me about your name, your birth date, all your medical conditions, your medications, et cetera. That's now all in the system. And all, all we do is now say, is all this information accurate? Has anything changed since you saw the doctor the last time? And now that information stays in that medical record from that time moving forward. And the next time you come in and see somebody, you'll get another email saying, hey, look at this information. We have it on you. You've provided for us before. Anything changed? Nope. And you're going to be good. So now instead of coming to a physician office 20 to 30 minutes early, filling out all that information on a paper form, you have the time to do it on your own prior to coming in for that visit. And you can get that done. So you basically just check in and say, I'm here. I'm here to see Dr. Mm -hmm. A. You have all my information. They say, is all this information correct? Yep. Good to go. Now we can get you into an exam room, get you seen a lot quicker. So less time out of your day, get the right care that you need. You can get back to whatever you're doing a lot more quickly. Here's what I took away from your statement, Dan. Every physician in your practice will know my birthday. (laughs) Um, No, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. You what might you like expect? that, but that would not. Yeah, I I expect small gifts now when I come to see the doctors <laughs> in your practice. You no, know. I mean, that is protected health information. So the only people that will see that information is the individual um, provider that needs to see that information and anybody in the organization that needs to see for insurance purposes billing. So basically it's treatment, operations, and payment. Those are the only people that would see that information for the care that yeah, is being provided to you. Now, if I put a note in there that everybody should know my birthday, would that be helpful? If you want to <laughs> add that in there so everyone can celebrate your birthday, Colleen, I'm not sure we could make that happen, but we'd we'd make sure enough people knew when you came in. We'd, we'd have we'd have birthday hats on for you when you came yeah, in for our practice. maybe a balloon or two. I mean, geez. <laughs> Whatever it takes, Colleen. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> So, Dan, what do you see as we launch these podcasts, right, which which we've got some great guests lines, lined up? I mean, everything seriously from head to toe. Um, we've got podiatrist. We've got sports medicine. We've got physical therapy. We've got women's health. But but in your and what you're seeing today, what is the biggest uh, advancement that you're seeing coming down the pipeline within your practice and the industry as a whole in southeast Michigan? You know, I would say it's really two or threefold. There's not any one thing, and I think they all go together, right? I think number one is subspecialty care, right? So orthopedics used to be general orthopedics. Everybody did everything. Uh, But now with subspecialties, you're going to get physicians that truly specialize only in like knees and shoulders. They don't want to see patients outside of knees and shoulders. And actually for the patient, that's a good thing because now you get a physician that all they're doing is shoulders and knees, or maybe just knees. Um, you get a sports medicine physician that they're only going to see sports medicine type patients. People of that genre of an athlete, they have a different mindset, right? They want to get back to sport, back to practice as soon as they can. And you have your weekend warriors do that. You know, they're playing on a volleyball league. They want to get back to playing volleyball, but they want to know if they can do it more quickly. Those subspecialties now provide what I would say is a much higher level of care because you have a physician focused on just those one or two things. Now, as you do more and you see more, you just become that much better and you provide a much better level of care. There will always be a need for general orthopedics like in trauma or whatever else. But even in that area, there's traumatologists now that all they specialize in is high level trauma. So you want 
ideally to see a subspecialist. And kind of with that, in addition to subspecialty of the provider, you're getting, I would say, improvements or innovation in the specialties and how they get done. An example of that is there's some surgeries out there that are being done manually, and there's some physicians that do a fantastic job at that. But now there's an innovation with robotic surgery and orthopedics. So um, there's organizations, and we're one of them, that has robotic knee replacements, robotic hip replacements, and soon robotic shoulder replacements and foot and ankle replacements. It creates more precision. And there's some individuals that are looking for that tech type of technology, and we can provide that. You know, so you've got that evolution, and and I would just say those changes are going to continue at an even more rapid pace. But I think that subspecialty and different options in I would say a much more narrow focus is just going to be better for the patient, and ideally, the better outcome for everybody. In one of our upcoming podcasts, I've got Dr. Steve Mendelson, who I believe works for one of your practices yes. uh, within your MSO. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about new technology and neurostimulation, but he does want to talk to us about some of the robotic, um, uh, forgive me, is it the Rosa robot that helps with uh, hip, hip replacements that he's doing? And he's on the forefront of that. And it's amazing to me, you know, when I first uh, looked into that topic, I'm like, oh, I got a robot doing my hip, but that's not the case. You've got you have to have a skilled surgeon operating that robot. Um, but I don't want to give away too much because <laughs> I, I did have a comment. It, it is just fascinating what you guys have going on in that realm. In your position, it's got to be fun because you are helping a lot of people over a, a, a whole wide range of disciplines. Um, if you had to pick a favorite discipline, my guess is it's going to be PT. Can you tell us a little bit about because you guys have PT within your practice, correct me if I'm we wrong. We absolutely do. I think we have close to 30 therapists within our practice now. And as we look to expand our geography, uh, and again, those subspecialties within therapy, we have therapists yeah. that are uh, women's health specialists, therapists that are only a spine and back and neck specialist, you know, so um, we're continuing to grow those subspecialties as well, because you want the best care by somebody who really understands that need that you have inside and out. You, you had said earlier too, and I promise I won't keep you much longer, but, but there's a lot of questions and a lot of great stuff that you bring to the table. I don't know if everybody understands what an ASC is. I myself, when it was brought up the first time, I'm like, what's that? Can you walk us through a little bit of what an ASC is and the advantages of going to an ASC? Sure. So I can, I can first start with an ambulatory surgery center is what ASC stands for. Simply means that you can come into the surgery center um, basically right off the street. You have to have a physician that's going to perform the surgery there. But the best thing about an ambulatory, well, there's multiple things that are great about an ambulatory surgery center. First of all, if you've ever had surgery in a large hospital, you know that trying to find your way around the maze of a large hospital is nearly impossible, sometimes impossible to find out where you're supposed to go. You got to get there three, four hours ahead of time, it seems, sometime to find a parking spot in a large structure meander your way through the hospital, find where surgery is, check in, wait there for a while, et cetera. An ambulatory surgery center is truly meant to be uh, patient facing and to improve the patient experience. So that's number one. Most of these surgery centers are on the first floor of a freestanding building. So you park in the parking lot, you're usually 50 to 100 feet away from the doorway. You walk in. I mean, so literally you walk in an hour or so before your surgery, you get taken care of, you come out, you know, however long your surgery takes, you go through the, the 
post-operative phase and you go back out to your car with your family member, whoever your caregivers, and you go home. Same day surgery um, in much less time in a much more preferred way for a patient. Second most important thing, and maybe the most important thing is from a cost perspective, it is usually 40 to 60% less than the same procedure at the hospital. And it's because number one, the ambulatory surgery centers get reimbursed less, but we also get reimbursed less because we operate on a much lower expense ratio. So you go to a hospital, you see how big it is, right? That surgery has to pay for pieces of everything in that hospital. In an ambulatory surgery center, you're paying for just the needs for all the equipment, the building, et cetera, around that surgery and the staff, right? So it's a much lower cost of care, which is exactly what the insurance companies want. They want to provide lower cost of care and you're going to get that. So your bill is going to be a lot less as well. And the third thing is from a care and expertise standpoint, you're getting the same surgeon that you would have in the mm -hmm. hospital. You're getting it mm -hmm. with a group of individuals, whether it's the nurses or the surge techs that understand exactly what that surgeon wants and likes for that type of surgery. So you're getting the same or sometimes even better equipment in a much more efficient environment. Um, so the, the care and the results are just as good. Infection rates in an ambulatory surgery center are almost always lower than the hospital. And you think about it, in the hospital, they're seeing all kinds of patients in those ORs. In an orthopedic or musculoskeletal center, you're seeing, again, typically healthy patients that don't have a whole bunch of other illnesses. So you're not bringing all those, I'll call them bugs, into the surgery center. So the chance of infection are a lot less. And you have a very focused group of individuals on the care that's being provided for simply those doctors. And they're not seeing, you know, every specialty under the, under the roof, like ENT, um, you know, abdominal surgery, urology, et cetera. It's literally musculoskeletal surgery is being provided in our ASCs only. So you get great care. Uh, so a great, a great patient experience, lower cost of care, and typically a better outcome with higher quality care. I don't know if you realize how important those statements were that you made because, and that's why we're here in having this podcast, because I wouldn't know as a patient that I could ask the question, is there an ambulatory surgery center that I could go to versus going to the hospital? I, I wouldn't know to ask that question until we talk to you. And then the other thing is, it's almost as stressful taking someone, taking a patient for surgery and going to the hospital as their ride or their caregiver. Because you get lost in that hospital. They, they give you that bracelet and you're like, okay, you're with patient so-and-so. And you get lost in those places. And Southeast Michigan, not small hospitals. I mean, where I'm from back in Ohio, there's probably a little plaque where I was born at Sharon General Hospital because the hospital is so small. But nowadays, you go into these behemoths and you're lost and there's arrows on the floor. You don't know where you're going. You're going to the maternity ward and you actually shouldn't be. You know, so... The fact that you're telling us, hey, you can ask the question, do you have an ambulatory surgery center option? And it's usually on a first floor one, I just park and go. That's amazing. And it's not to the point where they're seeing so many other infectious diseases and things that and the infection rate is like, that's just amazing information right there. I mean, I say we call it a day, Dan. That was just it. That was it. Drop the mic on that. No, that absolutely, mic drop, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah. great. I mean, I yeah. obviously I spent some time in the ambulatory surgery center industry, yeah. and prior to that, I know a little bit about it, but I really got to see it from the inside and a really deep look. And um, it is truly amazing. And 
people don't always realize they have the option to ask that question. Now, your physician as a surgeon needs to have you know, the ability and credentials to operate an amb- ambulatory surgery center. But as a patient, you should always ask, and it is your choice. You need to remember that. What are my options? Where can I have my surgery? And if your physician goes to an ambulatory surgery center, you need to ask questions about that, just like you would about having the surgery at the hospital. But I will tell you, I can almost guarantee you'll have a better experience. You'll pay a lot less money and you'll get a better outcome. So ask that question. Make sure you say, hey, Dr. So-and-so, where do you do your surgeries? And they should tell you, these are the places I do my surgeries. And then he he or she should say, where would you like to have it done? And you need to say, well, what's the cost? Um, Where can I have it as cheaply as possible um, and still get a great outcome? And if they're providing services at an ambulatory surgery center that they're affiliated with, whether they're an owner at it or whether they're just going in and doing cases there, they will offer that option. It's a great experience for the physician as well. I can tell you most doctors I talk to will say they can do the same number of surgeries in an ambulatory surgery center in half the time that they do it at the hospital. Or they could do twice as many surgeries in the same amount of time because it's just run that more efficiently. And I'll tell you, as a patient, if you're getting efficient care and surgery, that's better for you. It means you're under anesthesia, shorter amount of time, and you just have a better experience. So um, it's great all the way around for everybody involved. Do I have that same choice with respect to imaging? So like, let's say um, I go to my primary care physician and they say, uh, you got a situation where you have to have a CT scan or an MRI. When I walk out of that door of my primary care physician, I have choices, correct, of where I can go and have my imaging done. Just remember, correct? as a patient, the choice of where you go is all up to you. Your physician may give you options, but you need to be an informed consumer and you have the right to go anywhere you want for care. Of course, you have to find out if your insurance covers wherever you're going to go as well. So that's a factor you need to take into consideration. But literally, um, it is your care. It is your choice. And as long as where you're going is covered by your insurance, you need to make sure the provider as well as the facility is covered by your insurance. But it is your choice. And if you have the choice to go to hospital A, hospital B, ambulatory surgery center C, um, or an outpatient clinic where maybe you can have the procedure in a clinic setting as well, that is up to you. That is your choice. And you may have a physician tell you, I want you to have your surgery here. You should always ask, are there other places I can have my surgery? Because I need to control my healthcare spend as well. Perfect way to, to uh, end on this note of this first podcast, Dan. And that's what we really want to get out of the series that's coming up is we, we have the right to choose uh, what, who we see, what we see, when we see, why we see. And it, it really is you have to be an informed consumer. And that's what we want this podcast to be, right? Giving people the information to make the best decision about their health care from head to toe. So Dan Cresco, I can't thank you enough. I hope you'll come back again, talk to us about a few other things uh, and and really help us in our healthcare journey. Can't thank you enough. Well, Colleen, thanks for facilitating this. I'd be happy to chat on other topics if if you need me to. Um, I hope people got the right information out of this that they're looking for because again, as you said, um, healthcare is your choice. You make the decision. You have a lot more control than sometimes people will let you think you have. But just like everything else, Mm -hmm. it is your choice get the right information and make the choice that's best for you. And we can certainly help facilitate that if need be. 
Thanks for pulling back the curtain, Dan Cresco. You have yourself a good day and thank you for your Thanks time. Thanks so much, Colleen. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.